Welcome to this next episode of the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive, or SADO for short. My name's Alison Barton-Simmons and I'm your co-host. Now then, I'm ex-Benedict, the other fella. And we are here to take the deepest of dives through our favourite 70s sitcom, The Good Life. Um, we're, we're now up to series four, episode, episode, episode one, Life Away From It All. We've got here quick. I know I said that last week, but I feel like we're thundering through. We are, yeah, yeah. And this, I hadn't realised, but I think the second and third series were both shown in the same year, weren't they? Oh, right, okay. So they were both shown in seven. 76, and this series was shown in 77. Right. So it feels like there's no delineation between these series. I mean, this just picks up from the last one, doesn't it? They're just a continuation, aren't they? Yeah, there's... there's. I think that's probably one of the things that I like, that the continuity between all four series is there. Um, and the, the place marker for me is Tom's um, powder blue jumper that just... It start, it's there at the beginning... And I th- I'm guessing it's going to be there right at the end of Series 4. Mm. But more about that jumper in a bit. He's also got the green one with all the holes in Yeah. The powder blue one is the one that sticks in my mind, though. Um, and I, I think it, it, I think it turns up in Fashion Corner today. So there's plenty plenty more to talk about the blue, the blue powder blue threadbare jumper. So we're getting to the stage now, aren't we, where we're looking for suggestions for what we're going to do for Series 2. So get involved with us on social media. I'm sure you can find us by using your initiative. Or email us at saddopodcast.gmail.com. Um, and also, if you follow us on social media, you will find links to where you can watch this episode of The Good Life, away from it all, for free on Daily Motion. And then you can come and listen to us talk about it. So if you haven't done that yet, pause, go away, watch, come back, resume. Yay! We are we are a watch along, um, or rather a listen along podcast. So you you watch it and then you dip into the um, appropriate episode and listen to us pull it pull it apart. We pull apart the episodes, chat about the the story, the actors, what they're wearing. It's all in there, isn't it? It is, yeah. But of course, if you're so familiar with the good life that you don't even need a recap, there's no gun to your head. One of the great things about being an adult is you get to choose. I don't know where I'm going with this. Just just. Just listen along. <laughs> Just listen along and, and enjoy the ride. That's what you can do, can't you? Yeah. Before we get stuck into this episode, away from it all, I happened to come across a clip of the start of a Penelope Keith sitcom from the 1990s this week, which is called Next of Kin. Um, it's quite a good high rating on IMDb, 8.0, 8.1 or something. So it really? must, be, must be decent. Never seen it myself. It ran for three series, apparently. But the thing that grabbed me about it was how awful the opening sequence was the theme tune and the opening sequence it was very creepy and and not very sort of um sitcom tv like didn't promise laughs did it no not at all even the premise of the actual show where um i think in the first episode this a couple die and their kids then get shipped off apparently reluctantly to the grandparents the grandparents are like reluctant to take the grandkids on it just yeah. sounds like a, the opposite of a hoot. It does. Sounds like lemony snickets or something like that. Just horrid. Something from, from Annie. Yeah. It's best um, experienced with video because the um, the dancing... I think it needs to be viewed. Yeah. The, oh, it's just very, very odd. Yes, this episode won't come out till January, but I'll retweet. I've already tweeted it. Um, we're filming in November. 
filming <laughs> <laughs> we're recording in november um but yeah this episode will come out in january so i'll retweet it then but just have a listen to how weird this um theme sh- theme tune and opening is mm. to next of kin t for two and two for t me for you and you for me can't you see how happy we would be Great, eh? So it got us thinking about other um, theme tunes and, and sort of sitcom openings that were, you know, not marvellous. <laughs> Let's be honest, there are a few out there that are just a bit... Um, how to be kind, but also yeah. honest. Just not great at all. The one the one that sticks in my mind um, was the Amanda Holden one. Um, Mad About Alice. Yeah, which... Um, She's got quite a pleasant voice. You think? I do. What I don't like is the the spoken lyrics. <laughs> it just yeah. makes me feel very, very uncomfortable. I remember a time when we didn't bow. What, before we met? Well, we're not together now. I can't believe the chaos that surrounds you. Well, what would you know? Oh, just look around you. It's mad about Alice. Please don't remind me. Mad about Alice. All right, don't go on about it. But we, we know, know despite the things we say, we wouldn't have it any other way. Except maybe today. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all that. Before we met. Oh, no, Dom. It's, it's um, all that stuff. It's, it's a really, oh, I don't know, really strained and um, a bit hard work. But I do think she's got quite a nice voice. Do you? I think she's yeah. fucking awful. Do you know, right. you know um, <laughs> Joe Lyser in his stand-up refers to her and then he just says, I think she's um, despicable. <laughs> See, and he must know. They're on the same circuit, aren't they? So I can imagine that they have plenty of run-ins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think she's just fame whore sort she's of thing. She's very hungry, isn't she? She was on Blind Date years ago. Then she married Les Dawson. <laughs> she didn't marry Les Dawson. She no, I did. Les I did it deliberately that time. <laughs> I wish she'd married Les Dawson, though. Who's your favourite oh. Les? Martina Navratilova. <laughs> As the old shooting stars joke went. Yes. Um, so it's not a great one. That Thixton's all right. I mean, and the actual the actual show is just as bad as the theme tune, to be honest. But Jamie Thixton's not bad. I've got no recollection. I've no recollection of the show. Was it a bit like um, not going out? It feels a bit like not going out. No, not really. They were divorced. Was it but not? Then, no. No, because not going out has sort of comedy and humour in it. And this oh, one's right. just <laughs> fucking dreadful. Um, but other ones that, that come to mind, obviously Birds of a Feather is was a very, very successful sitcom. But yeah. the theme tune didn't scream laugh a minute, did it? With those, no. those two walking in pools of light. And very then, serious. And... and um, even the song itself is 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 downbeat and miserable, isn't it? Doesn't really suit the show, does it at all? No, no. And then in later series, they re-recorded that song so that Linda Robson and Pauline Quirk sang it. And again, they're not singers. Oh God, yeah, they, they didn't sing it at the start, did they? It no, was, it was like a male a singer. 
Yeah. It was a crooner, and then they sang it. Yeah. What'll I do when you are far away and I am blue? The best example of its ilk that I found, however, I think, was from America. Of course. Which was called My Mother the Car from the 1960s. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a tune, though. <laughs> Everybody knows in the second life we all come back sooner or later. As anything from a pussy cat to a man eating alligator. <laughs> Well, you all may think my story is more fiction than it's fact But believe it or not, my mother did Decided she'd come back as a car She's a very old riding star A 1928 Ford That's my mother did She helps me through everything I do And I'm so glad she's here I'm my mother of a car yeah, and the theme tune had the bouncing ball on the words that you could join in at home. <laughs> it's a such a it's a strange premise that um, this guy's mum has died, but he's not he's not bothered because she's come back as a car. She talks to him through the radio. I thought this was made up um, because my first experience of this TV show was via Arrested Development, and there's mention of it there in one of the episodes, and I thought it was just an Arrested Development made-up thing. Um, I didn't realise it was actually a TV show that Americans watched. There's also satirised by The Simpsons, because there was an episode where Abe Simpson was having a relationship with his car in a similar way. <laughs> oh, Re- no. Reincarnation of his mother or his wife, I can't remember. Right. Yeah, but it's well out there. I mean, there must have been some crazy 60s skunk-smoked in the um, writer's room for that one. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a bit mind-bending, isn't it? It yeah. really is. Any others that you want to sort of flag up? I thought Yus, my dear, from the 70s looked awful. Don't tell her no, just tell her Yus, my dear. And you'll be cosy as two bugs in a rug. Two birds on a tree. Just take it from me, son. The secret of true honour is Yus. My dear. Don't tell her, no, yes, yes. Oh, yes, my dear. Yes, my dear. Did you see Was that? Was that one? the one with um, Frank Butcher in? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And the, the Chaz and Dave Bottle Boys one. Was it Chaz and Dave or was it just Sound Alikes? I would assume it was Chaz and Dave. Bottle Boys, Bottle Boys, that way. It, it was like pretty much on the nose if it, if it wasn't then. Yeah. Um, 
But anything with Robin Asquith in just makes me feel dirty. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> and not in a good way. He's the uh, everything with Robin Asquith in was the same, except he had a different job. Yeah. Confessions of a window cleaner. Confessions of a. I mean, Bottle Boys is just Confessions of a Milkman. It is, isn't it? You know, just... If he was still making making shows now, it'd be Confessions of a... Um, IT consultant. Yeah, of a cold caller, of a telesales marketer. <laughs> Track and tracer. Yeah. <laughs> Leering through your window while you lay on the couch. Yeah, it wouldn't be very dirty, would it, if they, weren't, if they were socially distant? No, you'd have to, you'd have to be stood two metres away. Just wanking at each other. Oh, <laughs> Dirty, he's just a pest. Well, I think we should probably leave those theme tunes right there um, and just appreciate the fact that we have got a, a podcast where we're chatting about a TV show with a wonderful, wonderful um, theme tune, which we do love. We do. I don't know if you noticed, though, that for this episode, Away From It All wasn't even centred in that badly drawn circle. It was all <laughs> all the way over to the right. Skew with. <laughs> yeah. The graphics um, department certainly didn't get the budget. Penelope Keith got all the budget for her clothes. So shall we take a deep dive into Series 4, Episode 1, Away From It All? Let's do it. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. So once again, we are back in Tom and Barbara's kitchen while Barbara is planting buckets of mushrooms um, to put in the cellar to, to obviously to grow them for, for food. Quite ingenious. I think I've tried doing that before now, put, trying to grow mushrooms in a in a cardboard box or something, mm. and it never worked. So whether it whether it works for for Barbara or not, um, it didn't work for me, unfortunately. Tom's back from the allotment with a bit of bad news. the The veg that they've been growing down there just seems to not be growing to size, unfortunately. So there's all sorts of mini veg pulling out all sorts of. Yeah, he's got he's got like a little chode of a carrot, hasn't he? Oh, it's teeny tiny. Little wee testicle of a potato. <laughs> it's teeny tiny. The the leeks look like spring onions. And I found this quite interesting because uh, I think Barbara says, but what about the leeks? We've always been lucky with leeks. Mm. Now, that's not true. Because considering they had an all, a whole episode devoted to the fact that they'd had the leeks stolen, I wouldn't say that, that they've been lucky with leeks, really. She must just mean that they've been lucky in terms of the yield. rather Size than, and yield. Rather than okay. extraneous factors like Harry the leek thief coming along and pinching them. I know. Did you notice as well, though, that the cabbage, she says, are you sure it's not just a big Brussels sprout? Yes. That's amused me. But it also reminded yeah. me of that line in, um, weirdly, it reminded me of a line in The Royal Family where Denise waters break upstairs mm. and Jim goes up to comfort her and he says, are you sure it wasn't just a great big piss? <laughs> <laughs> Quite a different scenario, oh. but somehow it just reminded yes. me of that line. Did you notice the Peapod, um, Pl- the Peapod Burgundy was back to looking like plutonium again? It was. It, yeah. They must have, is it, is it different vintages of this stuff? I don't know. I don't know how it works when you when you make your own, own wine. Uh, but it's different every time, isn't it? I think. If this was real life, they'd be dead by 50. <laughs> Taking that every the, bloody night. Oh, the sediment that must be in it must be like, blow your head off. Mm. Mind you, fermented foods are supposed to be good for you, aren't they? What's it called, that fermented cabbage? Oh, um, sauerkraut. Kimchi- oh, yeah, that's supposed to be good for you. What's, the, what's kim- kimchi? Mm. Uh, are you thinking of kombucha, the drink? 
I am thinking of that, yes. Yeah. Is that nothing to do with cabbages? No, it's fermented tea, I think. Oh, right. Yeah. Another one that Joe, who, um, Joe Simmons, who we interviewed earlier on in Does this Does he swear room, by it? He swears by kombucha, yeah. Oh, yeah. so that's maybe where I'm going wrong. Yeah. Get it get it up the uh, the waitrose. Give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> so next we're in Margot and Jerry's dining room and Tom and Barbara are around having dinner. And it's all, it's all very awkward right from the get-go, isn't it? It's all very quiet and chit-chatty, but there doesn't seem to be any depth to the to the evening, really. There's, there's very little small talk going on. Oh. I mean, it's it's just sort of silence, isn't it? It's almost remi- it is. reminiscent of the hall gin where they didn't have anything to talk about. It made me wonder whether, as this is my active imagination, I thought a couple of episodes ago, did they actually swing? And now it's, now it's really awkward now when they weird. sit down. Yeah. So, and they're all trying to think about the fact that they didn't just all pork each other about two weeks ago. Mm. <laughs> you two are very quiet. Oh, wait, sorry. Yes, now come along. We have such a rich language. Let's use it. All right, then. <laughs> uh, I finished. I finished as well. Oh, yes. Have you finished, Jerry? Yes, thanks, darling. And I finished too. <laughs> it's a rich language, isn't it? <laughs> Jerry mentions that there's a, a new shop in the high streets with agricultural implements that are not for sale but for, for hire, um, which he you'd think that would be an in with Tom and Barbara and mm. that they'd be all over that. But they're just not interested at all. They're just not... Not engaging whatsoever. And terrible Tom dinner and Barbara, guests, aren't they? Terrible dinner they guests. They are. They start squabbling and bickering. And even Jerry says, he spots that there's something wrong and he says, you don't bicker, we bicker, meaning him, him and Margot. Mm. Now, this has, been, this has happened every, every sort of couple of episodes where it's pointed out that, that Jerry and Margot have the odd falling out, have the odd ding-dong. And Margot must be very much aware of this, but she never seems to want it pointing out that they, that they argue. And I'm not sure why that, that is, because it's, it's quite obvious that they bicker. Yeah. And she, Margot's not the greatest diplomat, is she? Um, but she's, as, as a friend, she's, she's, she's fab. She, she straight away says, is it money? Checkbook. It is, isn't it? Checkbook, Jerry. Checkbook, Jerry. And she's there to, to, to offer what she can in order to help. She's not always the most practical or diplomatic, like I said, but no. if it, if it's something that she can help with, she's, she's there, isn't she? She's always there. She's, she's predictable in that way. She's tactless. Um, yeah. She's generous. And she, if she can find a way to blame it on the Labour government and James Callaghan, then she will. Yeah, which she did. She blames it straight away on James Callaghan. Uh, but Jerry comes up with a pretty good idea of what they can do. And there's the chance of a of a trip away in a penthouse flat in Mayfair that one of Jerry's friends has got. Um, he's offered it to to Jerry and Margot and to their friends to take up whenever whenever they feel like it, which is lovely. How nice is that? It is lovely, but at first, Margot didn't seem to know anything about it, and I thought, is this Jerry's bit on the side, Mayfair? <gasps> is it his shag pad? Is yeah. Is it his, like, crash pad that he, that he goes and uses? Well, he certainly seems to know, know, know all about the black silk sheets, doesn't he? I wonder. Mm. Is that where he takes his... um? His, um, his lady friends. Yeah, could be. But I, couldn't Mar- think, I couldn't think of a nice word to say then to describe his hooers. <laughs> his slags. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say oh, that. Can't say that. 
Oh dear. Have you ever seen that bit of um, of Cat Slater in EastEnders? Have I talked to you about this before? No. There's a famous scene where she goes, I didn't become a little bit of a slag. I became a total slag. <laughs> There's a guy on um, Twitter, on Instagram, sorry, who just does wonderful art. I'd shout him out if I could remember his name. Greg Celeb Arts, maybe? And he does these wonderful like um, pop culture T-shirts and mugs and stuff. Oh, with things like that on. With total, you, total slag. Total slag. <laughs> Excellent. Oh. Did become a little bit of a slag. I became a total slag. So Jerry suggests that the goods don't want to get back to nature. They want to get away from it and go mm. and use all the mod cons, easy living push buttons um, of this of this pad in Mayfair. And Tom's already thinking about all the self-indulgence and decadence that he can get his hands on. Um, and Jerry just does point out that there's black silk sheets on the bed, which, like you say, he did seem to know quite a bit about. But Tom and Barbara are reluctant to go because of the animals. They don't want to leave the animals behind. Yes. There's a lot of work involved in, in maintaining that kind of life, and it would be difficult to just shut up shop and, and, and disappear for, for a couple of days. But Margot's got the solution. And, and She's and got she, the solution. She invokes Dunkirk. Again? Yeah, all this all this war stuff. I think it must be an Esmond Larby obsession. Mm. She's um, must be a thing with the writers. She uses a very contrived metaphor to say that they're going to sail in and 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 save the goods from yeah from their hardship. There's always a lot of war invoking, isn't there? Hmm. Um, Tom makes a joke about scraping the barnacles off her bottom, <laughs> and she doesn't get it. She 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 has the whole the old starchy face on and doesn't really understand what's going on. Bless her. Well, thank you very much, Jerry. Tom and Barbara decide that it possibly will be a nice idea to to go and have this break, and they do loads of crib sheets for Margot and Jerry in order to ensure that all the jobs get done, that the the animals get tended to, and it's all it's a colour coded sheet and Tom sat Jerry down and he's pointing out everything that he needs to do and Margot and Jerry seem quite chilled about it. They seem like they they'll have it all in hand. But Tom and Barbara are like hysterical before they've even set off. Yeah. And then Tom's got this graphic demonstration. He starts talking to Jerry like he's a toddler, doesn't he? He comes in doing this weird affected voice. He says, Ah, oh, Jerry, good man. Almost a bit like Sir. Oh, yeah. Jerry, good man. Yes. And then he starts talking down to him like he's like a two-year-old. Mm. Now, now we come to chickens represented by... The yellow line. <laughs> and Jerry says, um, you're not handing over the Serengeti Game Reserve. I'm not a child, you know. So he'd obviously sort of realised what Tom was doing and Jerry's even given him the keys to the car. His mm. car to drive to London in as well. So they've literally made this all possible. And I don't, I don't know. I just felt a bit. I know. I know that they'd be worried about leaving the animals behind, but it was almost like a bit disrespectful. I th- I felt that they just didn't seem to be being grateful for it. Yeah, they're totally great. Barbara's getting as mm. bad as Tom as it goes along. Yeah, it does get worse and worse, doesn't it? But of course, Jerry loses his shit with them. I'm good on him. He basically just yeah. fucking marches. Almost like picks them up by the scruff of the necks, marches them yes, out of the house. Yes, I think he does with Barbara. Does he not throw Barbara out the door? More or less. He's like, there's the car, bags in the back, keys in the ignition, now fuck off. Yeah. 
or words oh. to that effect. So off they go. They they go they, they come back and then they disappear off again. They get they get sent off again. And then Barbara and and Tom are in this Mayfair flat, which is riddled with seventies. Yeah. It's oh, it's like a double like multiple levels. There's leather. There's a leather suite. A G plan chair. There's lamps. Glass top tables, which were notorious in the seventies. And they were watching TV. They were watching Kojak and. They'd never seen Kojak before because obviously they've got rid of their TV. They don't watch telly anymore. Mm. Um, but they're watching Kojak and, and I smiled actually because I think Barbara says, the postman kept saying, who loves you, baby? And I always wondered what he was talking about. Mm. And it must have been something that people did around that time because my granddad did that. My granddad used to say, who loves you, baby? And as a kid, I never had a clue what he was talking about. Yeah. I understand where Barbara was coming from, but it was obviously such an iconic TV show. And, and such an iconic... Part of culture. Yeah. What's, what is it? Is it, oh, uh, such an iconic catchphrase. Yes. And, of course, the postie probably liked it because it wasn't produced by Rod Steiger. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it's the same one. <laughs> oh, dear me. They're all flollopy, as, as Barbara puts Flollopy. Her. What a good word. Flollopy. One of the things I like in this scene is that how old school they describe... Some of the things like they they described the telephone as a receiver, and they described yeah. the TV as the television. It's been ages since we had a television set. The television set. I'm going to start doing that in front of the kids now. I'm going to put a movie on the television set. Yes. Do you mean the fucking sixty-two inch big <laughs> plasma <laughs> television set? And it was a big round, sort of space age. Looking, it's what the seventies expected the future to look like. Yeah, it's like a that, George Jetson TV, wasn't oh, it? Yeah, and I love that about the seventies that they still sort of thought that that's what the future was going to look like. Mm. Very cute. Um, but yeah, the phone, the phone rings. The answer it, it's Margot, and all hell breaks loose. They're both screaming and shouting and panicking. Margot can't sort of get a word in. She tells them to calm down. It turns out that there is a problem with the generator. And they ask Margot if she can make the noise of the generator <laughs> in order so that they can they can sort of decipher what the problem is over the phone. And she 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 starts trying to make the noise, and it's a a wee clunk noise. Yeah, uh, which I thought was very cute. And she says about she's taken the keys off Jerry from round his neck. Yeah, because they were starting to clack, sort of jangle and annoy her. And I think that's also something that men of that era used to do. They used to love to wear their keys about them in a sort of self-important, mm. um, ostentatious display of keys. <laughs> yeah. Either round the neck or, or jangling from their jean, jeans. Like a jailer. Yeah, or like like a janitor, really. But um, yeah. I know my father-in-law, Ali, said that he used to wander around with all these keys that he didn't even need. He just liked to collect oh, keys and wander around. Just collect keys. With a bunch of keys, just random keys. Oh. Which is a bit sad, really, isn't it? There was a lot of keys on that on that chain around his neck as well. Like, and you think, how many doors do the goods have in order to lock? It's just, it was just, it looked like it was just a big bunch of nonsense. Yeah, it was just a. It was. They they admit afterwards that they had a bit of a flap. Once once the generator crisis is sorted, they realise they flapped a bit and sort of panic yes. over. They go off and have some nookie, don't they? They do, they do. And even Margot, Margot said that she, that. I think Tom says, panic over. And Margot says, very, very calm. And I love calm Margot. I love calm Margot. She just says, I never panicked. 
Mm. And I thought, that's very true. She was. She was very, very calm in the situation. Don't panic, Margot! I'm not panicking. I'm awaiting instructions. So in the morning, they get up and the telly's on because obviously they don't have this at home. The television set is, is there and Tom's gawping away at it, eating breakfast. And I tell you what, Barbara's breakfast, I think it was only like toast and jam or toast and marmalade it mm. looked delicious it made me want a piece of toast which i don't have very often you know but i thought oh god i could i could murder a piece of toast mm. uh, but then concern sets in because the phone hasn't rung now the panicking that the yes. Ledbetters are withholding information and not actually telling them what's going on they just work themselves into a frenzy there's nothing oh. it's apropos or nothing but they just panic and sort of wind each other up into a complete state don't they yeah, the, the goats had a cough and now they're panicking that if she starts again, they're not going to know, that the Ledbetters are not going to know that, that Geraldine's got a cough and then they're just going to watch Geraldine die. And then it's gone from the phone not ringing to a dead goat. And they're both just hysterical. Yeah. So, but back at, at the Goods house, um, Jerry's, Jerry's polishing Geraldine's horns, <laughs> which I thought was very <laughs> lovely of him, um, but only because Margot had insisted on it. Margo, I don't honestly think that goat wants its horns polishing. Because <laughs> uh, she wanted to... They've, they've coped with what, with what they had to do, um, but Margo was hoping that they've also improved on the life that the goods have been working on for the past few years. So in, in one day, uh, Margo sees that she's, 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 she's improved on, on, on what they've already set out to do. She's wanting to make a point with them, isn't she? She's wanting to show her competence. And um... Yes, Showing that it's not such a rigmarole as they make it out to be. Yeah, because one day and three years is um yeah it's the same, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but she compares it to managing lefty sopranos and a stage manager with a steel plate in his head, <laughs> which is not <laughs> really the same thing, is it? As managing goats and chickens and pigs. Uh, the the goods have come flying back from from London though. They've come back from Mayfair. Because um, they couldn't, they couldn't stand it anymore. They're just picturing dead Geraldine. Uh, the car screeches to a halt, and in they come, and to ask why, why, why have you not called us? But like Margot says, that we had no reason to. What the devil's that? Thugs from the council estate, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's happened? What are you doing here? You didn't answer the phone. That's what we're doing here. Didn't you hear it ringing? Yes, we did. As it happened. Well, then why didn't you answer it? Too lazy to get up your bottom and walk across the room. We weren't in the room, as it happens. We were in your garden, looking after your menagerie, as promised. All right, then. Why didn't you phone us? There was nothing to fear about. You expect me to believe that. But then Tom and Barbara start to blame each other for, for coming back because the other one couldn't cope. And Margot suggests that they look at the floor because it's been cleaned and the the goods are absolutely amazed that the floor is the colour that it is. They always already always assumed that it was a different colour. The range has been um, blackleaded and polished, uh, but then it turns out that Margot and Jerry have got Mr. and Mrs. Pearson, the cleaner and the gardener, in to do all the work for them. Yeah, which is um, ingenious. Margot even shows off uh, two buckets that she's had cleaned that, that you could see your face in these two beautiful shiny buckets but from further questioning um she found them in the cellar obviously full of full of soil and mud and it turns out that margot has thrown barbara's mushrooms away she's cleaned the buckets but the mushrooms are gone 
Yes. Uh, which to which to which Margot answers, well, tell you what, polish your own goat's horns then. And I, I agree with that, Margot. I agree with Margot's sentiment. Polish your own goat's horns. Well, because they're so in- ungrateful throughout the entire thing. And then when they realise mm. she's made one mistake, they're very, very smug about it and sort of laughing at her. And I just think... Yeah. Just fucking hell, you don't know how lucky you are to have these friends who do all this for you. No. Even if they have got Mr and Mrs Pearson to do it all, it's still done, isn't it? It's still... Mm. They've kept up with the day's work that they had to do. They've sent the friends to stay in um, a Mayfair penthouse apartment with silk sheets um, and give them the car to get there. Yeah. What good mates. They do everything for them and they get, Mm. well, they get some thanks, but they might get the words thanks, but they're not treated with the respect that they deserve for everything they do for them. Yeah. I think this episode highlighted that quite, quite strongly, really. So there's so much to talk about when it comes to fashion in this episode. Not all of it great, eh? No. <laughs> oh, this will be a long fashion corner, I suspect. So let's have a trip over there. Fashion corner, fashion corner. Fashion corner, fashion corner. So fashion corner this week doesn't start off very promising, to be honest. Uh, the scene where they are all having dinner round at the Ledbetters was very uninspiring, to be honest. Uh, Margot had like a, it looked like a tablecloth that had been sort of fashioned into a dress. Just not very Margot-esque at all, not, not very striking. Uh, Tom, um, at dinner, with his, it's the blue threadbare jumper, the blue powder blue jumper, um, that seems to make an appearance of its own accord in, in episodes. Jerry is just suited up for, for dinner, um, and Barbara is in like a brown spotty dress, quite a sort of, quite a, um, a, a petite looking not childlike, but like a little girl's dress, I suppose, mm. is the only way that I can describe it. It's not something I've seen before. I've not, I've not seen her wearing that. Very, yeah, very uninspiring, to be honest. However, I wanted to mention, Jerry, when he goes round to Tom and Barbara's to find out what he needs to do with the animals... Oh, he's got a new coat, hasn't um, he? Yeah, well, he's got a rust... I wanted to mention the rust-coloured jumper with like a biscuit coloured collar trim yeah which we've never seen before and a brown sheepskin jacket he had on yeah like it was almost black which is a new a new piece of piece of clothing that we've not seen before on Jerry but he's he's always looking very dapper isn't he it's rare that we don't we don't see Jerry looking yeah sheepskin coat amazing sheepskin coat makes you think of like John Motson in the Gantry doing the commentary. He does. Do you think he's graduated from the Stamford Bridge um, terraces to the commentary box now? <laughs> no, I think I think the, um, the, the the leather jacket's probably just at the dry cleaners. Probably, yeah. Plus, if he's just come off the terraces, his um, he won't be he won't be delivering a commentary and receive pronunciation as was as was appropriate for the time. <laughs> oi, oi, Chopper Harris has got oi. a fucking bone. <laughs> Do you think he ever like gets home and forgets? Do you think he ever forgets to seek back into his proper voice? Like, I used to go to the football, watch Everton, mm. come home and, and Ali would be saying, why are you talking in a scouse accent? And I was like, I, I wasn't aware I was. But the, he probably comes home, you're like, all right, you soppy Doris. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> totally forgets where he is. Jerry! And she smacks him. I've got a sheepskin coat that my mum handed down to me that I'd never wear. Yeah. Um, it's just in the wardrobe, but it was very, it's very reminiscent of the one that Jerry had on. For um, for looking after the chickens and the goats and the other animals for three days, uh, Margot has invested in a whole new wardrobe. 
which we do get to see, and it is wonderful. She's in water, like like waterproof jacket and trousers uh, with wellies, and these are like like they've got like a cream trim. It's like brownie green with a, with a cream trim. She's also got this like hat balaclava combo on mm. that's in like a moss green colour. Now moss green to me, that's not it's not a go-to colour. It's not a go-to feminine colour, perhaps. No. Whether that's sexist to say or not, I don't know. But it's not it's not your go-to colour really. But Penelope Keith slash Margot pulls off this this colour amazingly well. For, for like a, com- a complexion, just she just shines in the in this outfit, and Jerry does question her as to um, why she's found all the need to get all these new clothes and how much have they cost, and she says, "Oh, se- like seventy something," which even then would have been an absolute pile of cash, wouldn't it, yeah. for, for an outfit that would last for three days? But then she's going to pass it on to the needy afterwards. So there's there's always that, which is wonderful. <laughs> she might as well just give it to Barbara then. Just pass it on to Barbara, exactly. Just pass it on to next. Slightly door. different shapes. Yeah, she'd have to cut the legs off, wouldn't she? Yeah. <laughs> cut and shut. <laughs> cut and shut pants. Uh, Margot, now this is this is this is where I was heading to. Margot on the telephone at home in a an azure. Now I had to look up. I got I got the I got the um, the colour charts out and looked at what exact shade this blue was. Can you say that and word again? Azure. Azure. So it has to be sort of like elongated like that. Yes, you you can only say it like that. You can't you can't say it any other way. It's like a it was a slit sleeved nearly um, full length muumuu dress is how I would describe it with a headscarf in matching fabric and it reminded me it was reminiscent and anyone that sees these will know exactly what I mean. the Sarah Moon pictures of the 1970s. Um, I think there's one called Lady in a Dress, and it's the it's the headscarf look that made me remember that and think that Margot looked quite similar. But again, is there anything that Penelope Keith puts on that she doesn't suit? I don't. There's not. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything that she's worn so far. Really, even the so Wester when she falls is just amazing looking. I think. Um... She looked a little bit, a bit controversial, but she looked a little bit... She invoked Im- images of nuns and convents to me. All right. She, Do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, nuns don't tend to dress in um, azure. Azure moo-moos? No, no. But she was a little bit nunny. <laughs> a, bit, a bit nunny? <laughs> yeah. A bit nunny, I thought. Yeah. She looked very stylish. A real, real nice combo of, of an outfit. I don't know what was she doing around then. Was she going out anywhere, or was she just rocking it in the she house? She must have been. She was just. Um, it was like a telephone just outfit. Telephone <laughs> yeah, outfit. To wear yeah, in the hall. It's to be, being on the phone. She probably gets dressed up in that when she's ready for a conflict with Mrs. Dooms Patterson or Miss Mountshaft. I think so. It's like it a power dress, ahead. you know. Already, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it would. I think one of the one of the final things that I have to mention in in Fashion Corner this week is the pinny that Margot has on um, when the goods come back from Mayfair, and it's a golly on the pinny, like a Robertson's jam golly. Mm. Um, and I've not used the the original language because language matters. And it might be a bit walk, but that's tough. Um, so it, it's just a, a, a sort of stark reminder, really, that that was a thing in the 70s, that, mm. that 
that we had those still. Um, and wore and, them proudly on pennies. Yeah. Um, it's just something... I, I, I know people have different opinions about things like this, but f- for me, it was. I, I still I still find that quite eye-opening. Mm. Um, as to as to as to how it makes my head think about characters, I suppose. She should have worn Jerry's titty apron instead. <laughs> she should. It would be less offensive. <laughs> yeah, would ironically enough. Talking of titties, <laughs> Barbara's um, bullet nips were back at the end when she had a blue sweater on. I didn't notice. Now you see, I I can't help but notice these things. We've stopped with the tab tab and the soft porn tab. And Do we need a tit tab? No. Tit tab, pokey nips tab. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, Barbara, right. Barbara well, was too... was literally poking out eyes with those nips at the end of this was one. Was she? Yeah. Barbara, what was she doing? Was she pouring anything down her arm? Was she, were they just there? She just, when she rushed in, um, stressed about the goat when they'd just come back from, from the penthouse. She just had like a oh, blue right, top okay. on, but clearly no bra or a very thin bra. Maybe that's the issue, just no bra. Could be, yeah. Like I say, she's like the Jennifer Aniston of her day. Yeah. Maybe she just threw her claws on to come back and um, check on coughing Geraldine. <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 wrapping up Fashion Corner. Help! Belt! Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. Did you have an MVP this week? I did. Yes, I did. Uh, my MVP this week. Um, it was d- I had it down to two, but then. It's Jerry. It's Jerry this week. I think again, did I have Jerry last week? Yeah, we both had Jerry last week, yeah. Jerry this week, um, because the want to step in and help the goods, uh, not only by lending them a friend's penthouse apartment, giving him the keys to the car so that they can get there, but then to step in and after working all week to look after the the animals that are at the goods house. What a good, what a good egg! And also, when they, <laughs> we should, we get a t-shirt of Jerry on, just saying, what a good egg. He's a good egg. When he, um, when they turn up acting unreasonable at the end, screeching, you know, burning rubber off his tires, he's totally mm. calm about it. Yeah. Although he wasn't calm earlier, where he threw them out the house, and I really enjoyed that. There's a couple of times in recent episodes where he's just lost his shit with the goods because of their unreasonable behaviour, and I was like, it's, it's quite good yeah. to see. But he's almost like. I've I've given him my MVP as well, but I almost didn't because I almost feel like he's being a doormat and being used by them, and like yeah. he's almost like in a. <laughs> see again, people. Some people who say we're too woke won't like this, but I feel like he's codependent with them a little bit, or the or the Ledbetters. Ledbetters are being used by the goods too much at this stage. Mm. But yes, he's just such a nice fella, and I, I just enjoy Paul Eddington's snarky little remarks as well. He is wonderful, it, but my. I was almost giving it to Margot, yeah. Um, just because of the enthusiasm, even down to going out buying new outfits in order to help out. She was she was that sort of enthusiastic about it. But I think Jerry just inched ahead a little bit. And if I remember back to last week where we both gave Jerry MVP, this now puts him within one point of the leader, Margot. <gasps> So it could all change. Yeah, I wasn't expecting Jerry to potentially be leader when, well, he's not leader, but he's getting there. He's in a fine run of form. Let's say that. In my head, if 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 I'm honest, he would have been third or fourth. Yeah. Good old Jerry. Yes. Yeah. We love Jerry. 
So if you're enjoying um, watching and listening along to all these old episodes of The Good Life and to us picking them apart and having fun with them, get involved, send us uh, send us a tweet or or follow us on Instagram, um, sad, at Sado Podcast. We post a lot of rare videos and images from the show and from other things that the, the cast did when they weren't on The Good Life. Find us on Facebook, just search Sado Podcast and you'll get much of the same guff. You can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting sado.club. Um, we've got more and more blog posts coming up on that website all the time. So as well as listening to us talk about The Good Life, you can also read our articles, which we've written about the show as well. Send us an email at sadopodcast.gmail.com if you want to tell us about the things we missed. And please do subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts because we're getting quite a few listeners at this stage, but probably not many reviews. So it'd be nice to get a few in there just to show um, that people are enjoying it. If you're enjoying it. If you're not enjoying it, don't leave us a review. Just, you know, other podcasts are available. Yeah, just do something else. Um, So... Next week's episode is series four, episode two. Do you know which one that is, Ben? The Green Door. Oh. It's a mystery green is door. Steven- is Shaker Stevens in it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, pissed. Remember when he was on top of the pops, <laughs> pissed. Was he doing the wobbly leg dance? He, well, yeah, but he, he wasn't even trying. <laughs> that's was he not? The, that's the wobbling. point. He was just wobbling naturally. <laughs> he was always pissed wobbling. on top of the pops. Um. Yes, the green door relates to a mystery green door, which the good see Margot going into, and then ah, Lacey coming out. I remember of. this one. Yes. So it's um, your imagination runs riot, doesn't it? Or what she's up to in the green door? Yes. There's lots of outdoor on location scenes in this episode as well. Oh which yeah, I like. we might see some seventy sandwiches for nine p. Oh, stacks of sandwiches, <laughs> sausages. So. Join us for that one next week, Series 4, Episode 2, The Green Door. And thanks for listening. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll see thee. See you next time. My mother the car. My mother the car. Total slag.